Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by our senior pastor, Neil Haney. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. By the way, did you notice that Wes and I are dressed alike except that he's got on like really cool clothes and I got old man clothes, but same color combination, kind of cool. It's fun being his dad, tell you what. I wonder where he gets all that energy. Um, they used to call me the Energizer Bunny around the, the church because I could never sit, sit in my office chair more than about three seconds, and he's obviously just like me. Um, it is good to be with you this morning. Uh, I'm, I'm just really, really blessed by this church. You know, I've been here 34 and a half years now. And, uh, oh, no, please. But I have never, ever been more excited than I am right now. Like, like about the church, about being here, about being a part of it, about being a pastor here. And, uh, you know, when I, when I came here 34 years ago, 35 years ago, 34 and a half, whatever it is, um, I had no clue what I was doing. <laughs> and I still don't, but I'm realizing that's okay. You know, that's okay. Yeah, because of what I'm going to be sharing this morning. But um, I have loved this church. I raised my children in this church. They love this church. And, um, and, and I just love you. I just love you. And it's been such an honor to serve here all these years. I don't know of any place I'd rather be. And I don't know of any place I'd rather be more than right now. Right now. God is doing something. He is up to something. And... Uh, I just felt this stirring in my heart over the, I mean, I, I, I don't know, it seems like the last, I don't know, seven, eight years, I've just felt like God's up to something kind of beneath the surface and behind the scenes, but it feels like it's becoming more and more near the surface, like something's about to break open, and uh, I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know what it even means, but I believe it's something good. And it feels like as things are getting darker around us, and they are, something's happening here that's going to break out and in light. And uh, the Lord gave me about three or four years ago, this, this is all pre-sermon, so I'm not preaching yet, so don't start the clock. I'm kidding. He, they already started. It's too late. Um, about... Three or four years ago, the Lord gave me Isaiah 60, which uh, verses 1 through 5. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Darkness is over the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the people will be drawn to the light of your dawning. And that phrase, the light of your dawning, implies a new day. Dawn is a new day. And uh, I believe that a new day is dawning for the church. I really believe, and in, in what I'm going to be sharing this morning in my sermon has everything to do with what I'm about to say next. The church has been very, very um, under, it's underperformed in terms of, of the way it's supposed to function as salt and light and witnesses in this culture, in, in, in the world. Not just in this culture, but in the world. And it has been for about the last 1,700 years. The church just hasn't been what Jesus was praying about in John 17. 
But I believe that, that uh, um, the dark ages of the church is, is you know, they're, they're ending. And God's light is, be, I, I see this, I don't see the sun yet, but I see this, this glow above the eastern horizon. And I'm talking figuratively now. But we're about to see the dawn of a new day. And the church is going to be the church, the body of Christ. His hands, feet, mouth. And, and he's going to use the church to do the kind of miracles that he did when he walked on this earth. We're gonna, we're, I, I, I really long for the day, or look forward, actually look forward to the day that I walk in, say, to Littleton and Ruth's. And uh, I get there with the family, and I walk over to the coffin, and I just put my hand on the coffin and just say, get up in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Dead man, come out of that grave, you know. And, and he just, we just all leave together, you know. No need for a funeral. <laughs> we just walk out together. The family's crying, but not because of the loss, but because of the miracle. Does that sound crazy? It sounds like Jesus to me. I don't know, you know. All right, well, amen. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're in a sermon called, if, if that sounds crazy, great, because Jesus did a lot of crazy things, you know. He, did, he said, Lazarus, come out of that tomb. He'd been in the tomb for four days, so, you know, we're looking forward to that. Anyone who believes in me will, be, will do the things that I've been doing and even greater things than these. I think it's time for the church to get there. All right, enough. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, praise the Lord. Yeah, thank, thank you, Jesus. So, uh, Dennis Kozlov, our associate pastor, and I have been doing this. This is the final message in our Unleashed Unseries series. Um, and the last half of this has actually been an unintentional series. And so, uh, for the last four weeks, my sermon led to his sermon, led to my sermon, led to his sermon, and, you know, kind of thing. And so... Um, this is no different, and this is the last sermon in this series. Um, last week, Dennis talked about something very profound. He said that there are basically three kind of biblical Christians in our midst in, in any given church that believes in Jesus and believes in the Bible. And, you know, Bible-believing, Bible-trusting uh, Christians. And, and, and the first category is kind of the larger category of of people that are, are really into theology. They're, they're really into the learning about God. They want to know more about God. And so they, um, they come and they take notes and they're really interested in learning more about God, you know, his character and his characteristics and, <clears throat> you know, theology and, and things about, uh, you know, prophecy and those kinds of things, I mean, you know, like end times and all this. And Dennis said they're kind of like mental Christians. They're, they're here to, to learn, and, and that's all right. That's, that's good. We need to learn. We, we, we really need to be moving from that category, though, on towards these other two. The second group of Christians, the smaller group, is what Dennis would call encounter Christians. I call them heart Christians. And those are, are Christians that have moved beyond just the, you know, the, 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 their knowledge of God has dropped 18 inches from their heads to their heart. And, and they're really beginning to encounter the Lord. In their quiet times in worship, they're beginning to experience God on a heart level, on a personal level. He's more than a theological concept. Now he's a friend. He's, he's a presence. He's, he speaks to us directly, individually, 
not audibly, but, you know, at least in our hearts. In worship, we sometimes get wrecked. Since Wes has gotten here, it's not just because he's my son, but I've begun, I begun to experience worship on a much deeper level than I ever have. I think I've moved that 18 inches, and um, I just really love worship now. I just, I just love, love, love corporate worship. Before, I was kind of one of these, you know, really self-conscious about people around me, and now I don't care. You know, I just don't care. Maybe I'm too old to care. I don't know. But, um, but then there's the, so that's a smaller group, and then there, there's the third group. These are Christians that have encountered Jesus. They've experienced his presence. They've come to know him in such a way that they actually carry his presence. And they're, they, they, they give that presence away to people around them, people they know and people they don't know, other people in the church and people outside the church, people at Vineyard Northridge and people at Walmart, you know. They just carry the presence of God, and they're constantly pushing that out and giving it away to people around them. And he said that, that we are one with God, and we're on a mission from God to take his presence to the world around us. And that's what we're about. And so we want to just keep moving from that mental Christian to the heart Christian to the presence Christian and keep moving in that direction. And so this morning, I just want to say that that kind of thing is never done in our own strength. So I just want you to relax and just know that it's not about you. In fact, Jesus told me this week, he reminded me this week, Neil, it's not about you, but it's never without you. (laughs) isn't that cool I was like what he's like no it's not about you but I don't want to do this without you that's why I've put myself inside of you so that you can give me away but it's not about you but it's not without you so this morning the title of my message is our sufficiency is in Christ our sufficiency is in Christ It's not in ourselves. It's not how well we perform. You know, the pressure's off, guys. The pressure's off. You just carry his presence. In fact, that scripture, I've shared this a couple of times recently. There's a scripture in, in, um, I don't know the exact address, but it's in 2 Corinthians 4, and it says that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Well, the treasure that is talked about there is the Holy Spirit. It's the presence of God in our lives. But the, I, I like how one translation, translation or paraphrase or whatever said, earthen vessels could be translated cracked pots. So I'm just a crackpot <laughs> with the Holy Spirit inside of me. You know, if you put a flashlight or, or, a, or a, some kind of uh, like a lantern inside a cracked pot, the light's going to come out through the cracks. There, there is something very serious there. God can use our brokenness more than our sufficiency, more than, more than our talent, more than our uh, giftingness, giftedness. God wants to break us so he can use us, so that through these cracks in our cracked pot, his glory can shine out. People don't want to know how cool we are, how much we know theologically, or how together we are. 
They want to understand that we understand them. That we've, because we've hurt, they know that we can help them in their hurt. Does that make sense? Because we're broken, we understand their brokenness. You know, sinners didn't run to the Pharisees. They ran away from the Pharisees because they made them feel guilty because of their righteousness. But sinners flocked to Jesus because he was just very, very real. (laughs) And so Jesus just wants to shine out through our cracked pots. So we're one with him. He's inside of us, and we're on a mission. But our, you know... I grew up in a culture, I don't think it's so much the culture nowadays, but I grew up, I'm 64, I know that's really old, but I grew up in a culture, and my dad grew up in a culture that was even more this way, that the number one attribute, honored and and revered attribute of a person was to be self-sufficient. You know, I got this. I can do this on my own. I don't need your help. Self-made man, you know. Thanks, I got it from here. And uh, that's the opposite of, the, of, the, of an attribute of the kingdom. The Lord wants us to be completely and totally dependent upon him. Instead of a declaration of independence, Jesus wants a declaration of dependence from every one of us to say, Lord, I can't do this without you. And so our, our sufficiency is in Christ. What does that look like? What does that look like? You know, people want to be seen. (laughs) They want to be noticed. People want to be cared about. People crave being loved. And they look around them and, and, you know, I think people are literally dying from loneliness. We live in an isolated society, culture, where everything is me and my cell phone, me and my computer, me and my iPad. And, and, you know, our friendships are on Facebook. And, of course, you know, everyone puts their best face on Facebook. And so you're interacting with the best of people, you know. They only put on, they're not going to tell, they're not going to say, you know, hey, today I was really hurting and I sinned and I screwed up and I feel like dirt, you know, they're not going to put that on Facebook. And so people look at their friends and say, oh, everyone else has a wonderful life and I'm all screwed up and messed up and, and I must be, you know, I must be really, really, like, horrible. No wonder suicide rates are, are skyrocketing among young people. When we, when we approach people with the presence of God, we want to we say, I care about you. I love you. I, I don't even know you, but I see you. And God sees you, and he loves you. Could I pray for you? <laughs> That'll change a person's life. It really will. So, but that's kind of scary, right? It's kind of scary to approach strangers. It's kind of scary to pre- carry the presence to other, other people. And so, Here's, here's what I want us to, the kind of the mantra that I want us to adopt for our lives, for the rest of our lives. And that is this, Lord, I can't, but you can. I can't, but you can. I can't approach strangers, 
but you can, so just use me to approach strangers. I can't see into a person's life and know what they're going through, but you can. And so just highlight a person. Do you, let me explain highlight, because God's going to really use this in your taking the presence of God to people. When you're walking through Kroger and suddenly you notice someone and you can't, like, like they're just like, like it feels like a spotlight's on them. God is highlighting them to you, most likely. And he probably wants you to interact with them. Because he doesn't just do that to show you somebody. He wants you to go and, 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 and love on them and do what I was just talking about. So we can't, but he can. I can't heal anybody, but he can. And he uses me to do that. I can't, I can't do anything really by myself. In fact, um, you remember how Jesus said when he walked this earth that apart from his father, he could do nothing? It's really interesting for the Son of God to say that. He says, I, don't, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying. And he did that in the, Holy, in the power of the Holy Spirit. He lived just like he expects us to live. And, and he says this, um, in John 15, he's getting ready to leave. This is kind of his farewell address to his disciples. And you know the scripture very well, but I want you to hear this for the, like it's for the first time, okay? Because there's, there, there's, I only have like four scriptures as part of my text, and there it is right there. That's the first one. Uh, this should be in the NIV, but it's all right. Remain in me as, uh, as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. By the way, the, so the word um, remain here, or what does it use here, abide, that word just means stay, like you stay in a hotel, we're just supposed to stay in Jesus, and he's going to stay in us, so we're mutually staying in each other. And you're like, how do I do that? Well, let me just ease your mind. Again, God makes it so easy for us. He just does it, and you just go along with it. God has already put you in Christ. You're already there, whether you realize it or not. Watchman Nee said it this way. Quit trying to enter, enter a room that you're already in. <laughs> just stay where you are. You're in Christ. You just need to acknowledge that. I mean, if you're asleep, have you ever woken up at night and, and you, you were somewhere other than your own bedroom? Or maybe you were in your own bedroom, but you're just so out of it, you don't know where you are? And so you wake up, and it's dark, and you're like, where am I? I, I, some of you are going to experience that, and you're going to realize that you're already in Jesus. You're already in the room. You're already abiding in him. You're, you're already the branch that's connected to the vine. You don't have to do anything except acknowledge that and just stay there. Just stay where you are. And then begin to interact with him. So stay in me. I'm just going to read on this. Stay in me, and I in you, as the branch can not bear fruit by itself unless it stays in the vine, neither can you unless you stay in me. Next verse, please. I am the vine, you are the branches. You're already there. It's already, it's already a fact about you. You're already in the vine. Whoever stays in me and I in him, it is he, he it is that bears much fruit. 
I want, I want to point out, uh, I like the, what the NIV says. It says in that verse, you will bear much fruit. It doesn't say you might bear fruit. You could bear fruit. Maybe you'll bear fruit. It says you will bear fruit. And you will bear much fruit. I like that. And by the way, another word I want to point out in that scripture is the word bear. It doesn't mean to produce. Produce is to work and to orchestrate and to coordinate and to and, and do whatever you can so that you can produce something. That word simply just means like if we stay connected with Jesus, fruit's just gonna pop out in our lives. You will bear fruit. You will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anybody offended by that? What? Apart from you, I can do nothing? I think I could do a lot of things without you. Well, nothing that counts, nothing that counts for eternity. You might be able to, you know, do a lot of really wonderful things in the eyes of the world, but it's not going to have any eternal consequence. But don't worry. It's not about you. But he doesn't want to do it without you. That's what this means. That's what this scripture is saying. I'll bear fruit, and I can bear all kinds of fruit, and I'll bear much fruit, but I want to do it through you. (laughs) You know, Jesus, I mean, God could really do anything he wants to, but he wants to co-labor with us. He wants us to just hang on to him and cling to him And as we do that, he's just going to use us powerfully. I was sharing this scripture, this or this a concept of, of um, you know, I can't, but you can. And somebody in my the other night in our connect group, and someone says that that just sounds like passivity. Like, okay, I'm just going to sit here in my lazy boy and you know watch uh, Barney Miller reruns or whatever. And you know, Jesus, you do all the work. And uh, Ian Thomas, whom I got this phrase from, this I can't but you can. By the way, he said that's real repentance. That's that's what repentance really means. I can't but you can. He said said, it's not inactivity. He said, in fact, if you live this way, you'll probably be more active than you've ever been. It's just that it won't be burdensome. Which leads me to my, well, let me just, let me finish with this. Put up the verse 8. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Now look at, look at it says you bear much fruit. So you're the one bearing the fruit, but you're not working for it. You're not laboring for it. You're just hanging in there with Jesus, just staying in him, hanging on to that relationship with him, uh, just abiding in the vine, just staying there. And then he produces the fruit. And through that, the Father is glorified. And that's our job down here. I mean, as, as, as salt and light and witnesses, we're to glorify the Father. My second text, so to speak, is this. This is so comforting. This is so comforting. Let's go ahead and go to Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. It says to this, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden or burdened, and I will give you rest. This is what Jesus is calling us to. Jesus is not calling us to work. He's not calling us to labor. He's not calling us to strain and to strive. 
Jesus is just calling us to rest. He's calling us to rest. You know, in, in, in Hebrews 4, it says there is a Sabbath rest of the, uh, of the pe- for the people of God. And it says strive to enter his rest. Strive to, the only striving we need to do is just to get into his rest. Man, what a, what a great life this could be, right? We're resting, we're just hanging, we're just staying in Jesus, and he's producing fruit. And this, go, go to the next verse. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. There's two things here that seem diametrically opposed to each other. A yoke and resting. A yoke implies work. Animals wear yokes, you know, oxen and mules and that sort of thing, usually to plow together or to pull a cart together. Something there, there, it's, it's for work. <laughs> and he's, he says this weird thing, my, take my yoke upon you. No, go back, go back. Take my yoke upon you and you will find rest. Take my yoke upon you and you'll find rest. That What? What in the world are you talking about, Jesus? Somehow being yoked with him means that we can rest. I can't, Lord, but you can. But here I am. Use me. Send me. I'll, I'll just be with you and, and you'll be with me. And it's awesome. And fruit will be produced and the work will get done. The work of the kingdom will get done. Go ahead, last verse. Or yeah, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The, the The easy yoke means that it won't it won't be too heavy. It won't chafe my neck. It won't be something that's that's a burden. It's a difficulty. He says, "If you're burdened, come to me, and I'll give you rest." So the yoke can't be a burden. Otherwise, this this little three verses doesn't make sense. If the yoke is burdensome, none of this makes sense. But it's not. It's easy and it's light. And we get, to, we get to walk with Jesus where he's going. And he does the lion's share of the pulling on that yoke. He, he bears the burden. He does the work. He bears the fruit. He just wants to co-labor with us. It's, it's not about you, but it's not without you. He is our sufficiency to accomplish the mission of bringing God's presence into the lives of others. Just a, Seth, can you make your way up here? Appreciate it. Seth Skinner's going to come and just share a quick testimony. But um, I'll share this. Um, anybody remember the, the Christian singer Carmen? Some of you old folks do? Yeah. Carmen. <laughs> Car, sorry about that. I couldn't help it, you know. I make jokes about my age. I might as well make jokes about yours. Um, hang on to that for a sec. So, so Carmen was, um, he's a bad dude. Uh, you know, he was really handsome and, and just wild and worldly and, and just, you know, he just was living a, a wild lifestyle as a non-Christian. And he goes to visit his sister who had gotten saved within the year of his visit I think he was living in California. She was living in Colorado, and so he went to visit her, and she had gotten saved and just filled the Spirit. And uh, the second day he was there, he's like, I don't know what's going on with you. He's like, you're different than you used to be. And he said, 
what, what happened to you? And she said, well, I, I found Christ. I, I've accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I've received his spirit. And Carmen said, I, I don't know about all that. All I know is I want some of that. And he actually wrote a song called Some of That. <laughs> and he got a lot of that because he ended up leading thousands of people to Christ in his concerts. But uh, people can sense when we're yoked with Jesus, when we're abiding in the vine, and they want some of that. And we just bring the presence of God to them. So why don't you share, brother? Um, hey, guys. I'm Seth Skinner, the youth, youth director, youth pastor here at the church. And uh, every Tuesday, I take a half day off of work so that I can come here, try to prepare things, get things ready. But a few Tuesdays ago, I took the whole day off so that I could go, you know, go do things that I actually need to have time to do. I get a haircut, things like that. And I live about 45 minutes away, and I left late from my house. So I was rushing. I was already behind. And I stopped at Speedway on the way into town to get something to drink because I had a 45-minute haircut. Then I had to go do more things. And, and it, before I could get out of my car, there was somebody knocking on my door. Now, Wes told you guys that I have a gold car, so there's always somebody that's asking me a question about it or telling me how good it looks, and there's always these old men that have stories about, oh, I used to paint cars back in the day, or I saw these wrapped cars around town here that looked like this or that, and I, I love to stop and talk to people. I, I, was, I was in a rush. I was going to be late to my haircut, and I said, yeah, you know, I think it's really cool. I said, in fact, we're doing a trunk or treat at our church and all of the youth kids, I said, I'm a youth pastor over at uh, Vineyard Northridge. And I said, the kids at the church keep asking, are you going to be a leprechaun? Because somebody said you're going to be a leprechaun. And it's gold. And, and his demeanor changed from something that was like so happy talking about this to, can you pray for me? And, and I said, well, yeah, sure. What's going on? And, and he said, I, I was raised in church and... Since then, I walked away. Um, I was raised in my family, and my parents did ministry, so we were always in church, and they were really pushy on some things, and, and, and when I got older, I, I just rebelled from it, and I left, and, and I walked away from God. And he said, but, but a few years ago, I hurt my back, and I've been addicted to the pain medicine ever since then, and I can't get off of it because if I'm off of it, the pain is so bad but I know that I need God because I'm trying to fill this void. And, and I said, man, like, I, I, I was thinking in my head, I, I don't have time. Like, I, I, I'm in a rush. I don't, I don't think any of you guys might have ever been there or not. But I, I was like, you know, I, I want to go. I still got to go inside. I don't know how long the line is. I'm going to be late. And, and, but I, I, instead of in my head, I wanted to say, all right, I'll pray for you. It was nice meeting you. I, I just stopped for a second. I said, well, well, can I pray for you right now? And he said, sure. And so I reached out my hand, and, and he just stepped in, and I, and I started praying, God, please fill my brother with the joy of your spirit that he used to feel. Please, please, please give him peace in his heart and, and in his life. And, and I just prayed for him for a minute. And, and when I looked up again, there were tears in his eyes, and he said, for the past year and a half or two years, I haven't seen my family much, and it's gotten to the point where I haven't wanted to get out of bed on, on like days. He said, it, it takes my friends coming to get me in order for me to go out to the doctor or go to do things because I don't want to go anywhere by myself, and I don't wanna, but I want to be alone. I don't want to see my family, but I, I don't want to be alone. 
And so it's this contradiction in his heart that he wants peace and he wants God's presence, but, but he also doesn't know how to get back there. And, and he said, I have a brain tumor. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. He said, I have a brain tumor that, that I know the doctor gave me about a year to live, and, and I still haven't made things right with my family, and I still haven't made things right with God, but, but I really want to meet him again, and I want to know him again like I used to. <laughs> and I, I thought, man, God, why did you do this to me? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I talk to people every day. About, I, there is not a single day that goes by that somebody doesn't ask me about my car or do this. And, and I, I mention stuff all the time about church and things like that. But, but God opened up a door out of nowhere for a man that was, that was hurting in pain, mm-hmm. that, that really wanted to meet God again. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I don't know what made it made me, it, me highlighted. I mean, there were three people that said, he just must have felt the presence of God coming from you. There you go. I was like, man. There you go. And, and he, he simply said, thank you for, for getting that car. That car will be such a ministry to people. That's awesome. Man. And I was like, man, everybody else is having trouble meeting strangers, and here I am just, he's telling me right in place, this is what God's going to do through you, that's probably awesome. like speaking back yeah. into my own life. Yeah, so pro- pro- that's my testimony. That's awesome, brother. Thank you so much. So we're cracked pots, but he's, he drives a gold car. Yes. No. I just, I just want to quickly share just like a brief thing, because Seth got in a car accident like two years ago. It was right as he started, and we prayed that God would give him a better car than the one he has now, and he got that gold car like yep. a week later. Yep. So it's like a prophetic yeah. car, bro. You're going to yeah. do more people. In Jesus' name, more people are coming to Christ through that car. Amen. Thanks. Here, I need that. Okay. Yeah, thanks. Well, that's what I'm talking about right there. Some of that. You remember Moses? Uh, if you don't know who Moses is, look him up on your, you know, iPad or something. But Moses was, um, you know, he was a fugitive. Uh, he had he had been like the stepson of Pharaoh through some circumstances that God worked out, and and he killed an Egyptian. And Pharaoh, you know, he was wanted then, and he he ran for his life, and he ended up in the desert keeping sheep for 40 years. I can't imagine anything more boring than watching sheep for 40 years. So he was 40 when he got there. Now he's 80. Of course, people live longer, so it'd be like he was my age at this point. I know. But anyway, he sees, he's, you know, he's, he's so bored, he's throwing rocks at a, you know, at a cliff or something, and, and uh, all of a sudden he sees this bush burning but the thing about the burning bush is that there was no smoke coming up from it. It was just, there was fire inside the bush, but the, the leaves and the limbs weren't being consumed by the fire. And he's drawn to that. And then God begins to speak out of this bush. But the thing I want to point out is just the bush itself and the fire. The fire's in the bush, but it's not being burnt up or burnt out. I burned out in ministry 10 years ago. I know what that feels like. I was out of commission for over a year, 15 months. I couldn't, I couldn't do ministry because I burned up and burned out. <laughs> I, I literally exhausted my adrenal system because I lived on adrenaline. I don't live that way anymore. The Holy Spirit is the fire. You're the bush. You're the cracked pot. We don't all have a gold car. 
you know. But we are crackpots, and we are, you know, we're the bush, and people are drawn to that. And when they see something real, like this man saw in Seth, they're drawn to that. So just remember that. Remember, you can't, but he can. And you can tell them that several times a day. Lord, I'm going into a situation. It may not be to minister to somebody. It may just be something in your job that you don't want to do or you, can't, you don't feel like you're adequate. Lord, I can't, but you can. You're my sufficiency. I can't, but you can. And he says, it's not about you, but it's not without you. So let's go. Let's go do this. Last uh, last. Two weeks ago, we had a, a training, a ministry uh, prayer training, a training for a prayer ministry team, and Pam and, and Gene Kelly signed up for that. And, uh, and, and Pam went through that on Saturday, and then she, we talk about crossing the chicken line. That's where we step across the line of, of what we're afraid to do, and we do it with, with Jesus. You know, like Peter stepping out of the boat onto the water to walk on water. It's, we call it the chicken line, and life really begins, abundant life, that is, begins on the other side of the chicken line. And so the next morning was Sunday morning, and, and Pam had been trained for the prayer ministry team, and she was terrified to, to come up and, and, and try this. You know, she'd never done this before. And, but, but she crossed the chicken line and came up and, uh, and, and prayed for some folks. And Pam, would you come and just share what, what God did, where she said, Lord, I can't do this. But, but you can, and she crossed the chicken line. And uh, I just wanted her to share her story real quick with you. So come on up. This is Pam Kelly, everybody. <laughs> you want me to hold the mic for you? Okay. I have to bring notes because I tend to ramble. Yeah. Let's don't ramble. I said, let's don't ramble. <laughs> Hold it real close like you're eating an ice cream. Yeah. I'm a crackpot who crossed the chicken line. <laughs> Amen. Okay. Um, we had gone, we were in Connect Group, and um, I had, I, I knew of prayer that you lay your hands on people to pray. Hold it close. I had never. Just hold it close, yeah. I had never um, participated in that. Um, I'd seen it done, but we did that one night in Connect Group. And I was really scared and really out of my comfort zone. Good. So that was on a Wednesday night. And I went home and I told God that I was really uncomfortable and that I was afraid. And um, I asked him to guide me and help me. So we came to church on Sunday and we listened to the sermon and Neil says that there's gonna be a training for prayer. Mm -hmm. And that was God speaking to me. He was gonna help me learn how to pray so we attended the class, and I was still out of my comfort zone and still afraid. And we came home that Sunday night, or Saturday. And I had had a lot of things on my mind. Um, my mind was just going a 1,000 miles an hour. And 
I'm trying to, okay, did I do this right? Did I do this right? Is God talking to me or is that the enemy talking to me? And, and what do I need to do? And back and forth like that. And um, I told him, I said, I, I need your help. So I told Jesus, I can't do this anymore. My mind is going 100 miles an hour in, in every direction. And I'm nervous about going up to the front of the church with the prayer team to pray for folks. I told Jesus, I'm laying my burdens at your feet. And you said to do this. I'm surrendering my life fully to you. You know what is best, and I know whatever that is, you will be here. Be there for me the whole way. I went to sleep. I woke up still nervous about going up front with the prayer team. So I told Jean, don't leave me up here by myself. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't. I came up front. The nervousness was gone. My fear was gone. I had no more comfort zone. Amen. Folks came up and... and Jesus led them up. They had, had, had asked us to pray for them. And I didn't even have to think about what to say. Hallelujah. My mouth just opened. Yep. And the words that God gave me just came out. That's awesome. Praise I didn't God. even, I just opened my mouth to speak. Yeah. And Jesus was with me the whole time, and I wasn't nervous anymore. And I knew at that point, I don't have to be afraid to cross the chicken line. That's right. Because Jesus is crossing it with me. That's right. Yeah, amen. So I wrote down this verse, and I'll always remember it. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Hmm. And I have never ever, ever in my life felt the joy and the peace that came over me after that day mm. that I prayed for these folks and I knew that Jesus wasn't going to leave me Amen. and I didn't have to be afraid That's anymore. Right. That's awesome, fam. Thank you so much. God bless you. <laughs> So that's what I'm talking about. You can't, but he can. It's not about you, but it's not without you. It's not about Pam, but it wasn't without Pam that these folks got ministered to by the Holy Spirit. He's partnering with us. We just abide in the vine. He produces the fruit. We just come to him and rest. He, we take his yoke, and he pulls the load, and we just get... We just see fruit born, much fruit, and the work for the kingdom gets done. Would you stand? I just want you to hold your hands out again in front of you. We, we, we call this in the vineyard assuming the position. So assume the position, and you're just going to receive here. You're just receiving. And uh, I just want to, to bless you, just to say you can't, but he can it's not about you, but it's not without you. Just like with Seth and with Pam, 
God wants to use you to touch people. God wants to co-labor with you. He wants to use your, your body, your mind, your mouth, your hands, your eyes, your feet, your heart to love and bless people, and he will. And you just stay in him, and he, you will bear much fruit, and the work will get done. So just, just receive. Just, Lord, I just pray as, as, as we have our hands open before you, we are cracked pots. Just fill us full of that treasure of the Holy Spirit right now. Just fill us full. Just afresh, Lord. And Lord, may we just take this treasure and just pour it on other people. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.